0: I and mean, we're looking at regeneration and uh, uh, in salvation, and what that means, and how it affects us, and how we uh, how we respond to it, how God uh, responds to us because of it. Uh, so, you know, we've been look, we've looked at the new birth. We looked at the um, that that salvation is our greatest need. Uh, what's going on in the world when people say, what is going, what, why, why is everything going crazy in the world because of sin? We need salvation. What is the answer? Man is trying to do all kinds of things to find the answer, but the answer, you got to never find the answer till they find that answer in Christ. And that's going to kind of get repeated over and over as we go through this, because this is the, this is the main subject, uh, that, that we need. So, um. Let's open the word of prayer, and then we'll jump into this. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercies. And as we go into your word, we pray that you allow it to accomplish what it please in our hearts. Strengthen your, your children. Convert the, the, the uh, sinners, those you're calling. And Lord, use us to bring glory to your name. We ask for your blessings, and we look forward to it. And trust you to do so in Christ's name. Amen. And so we're going to be kind of, we're going to be looking at the two lessons we're going to kind of crunch together here is the, uh, we're going to look at the doctrine of original sin. I learned something from here as I, as I studied through this that I didn't know. And, um, and we're going to cross that. And then um, we also going to look at depravity. So we look basically at original sin and depravity and how they're, how they affect, our lives effect upon the human condition. We as humans have a human condition that's fallen and that is in trouble. And so um, sin has damaged us. And we're going to look at how the question is, how much has sin damaged us? Is man as bad as he could be? or is there some spark of divinity still left in us after the fall that allow us to cooperate with God in our salvation. And this is a big issue. And it's been going on uh, for centuries. And it's a big issue in our in the churches today and it needs to be addressed and so kind of pay attention. We're going to look at from um, go to Genesis chapter our uh, the book of Genesis first uh chapter one. i gonna look at chapter, one. yeah, chapter one, first, verse 26 and 27. We're gonna start off there. And so we're gonna be looking at it's gonna seem like we're gonna go over a simple the, you know, the we're gonna be looking at Adam and Eve and they're following the garden. And it's gonna seem like this is oh, I've heard this before, and it's simple, but this is very important. And as we go through here, we're gonna to try to extrapolate some things out of here to let us see how important this event in history, and it is a historical event, how important it is in all of Christianity, in all of the plan of God. And so um, we're going to examine Adam's, Adam's sin and its effect upon the human condition. And... Basically, we're going to look at the good and the bad and the ugliness of sin. If there is a good toward sin, and there is, and that'll be at toward the end. There is a good part about the fact that sin came into the world and we are affected by sin. And, and so we're going to hope we'll hit that toward the end. Um, in Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and 27. Uh, can someone read that, please? God has created us. He is the the divine creator of all things. But when it comes to man, he's, he's created the whole universe, everything in the universe. Nothing exists apart from him, contrary to what evolution says. God is the first cause. And when God created, the crowning achievement of his creation was to create man. And we were the last thing he created... And what we don't realize is God actually created the universe for us. And we are going to affect the universe because of our sin. Because of the sin of man. So God created us and he created us in his image. He didn't create us in his image to be God. But we have, we, we carry his stamp uh, of his, some of his attributes upon us. Because we're not God. We can't be God. We can't do the things God does. But we do carry some of his attributes. We can create We make things. We can love. We can punish. We can can do certain. There are certain things about us that makes us different from the rest of creation. Different from animals. Animals are not human beings. They're not to be worshipped and looked toward. And we... Are we are God's crowning achievement? He wanted us to be. He wanted us. He made. What's the Bible say? He made us for Himself. And when we, as human beings, do not acknowledge that, and we try to live our lives apart from that, we will devalue what God has done for us in in his creation. We devalue his creation when we do not look to God and worship God. We have, uh, was was it Augustine or whoever said, we have been made for God. And unless we find our our hope and our rest in him, we'll never ever have rest. We have been created for him and for his glory. All things were created for his glory. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. Verses uh, 15 through 19. So I want you to read that, please. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the, Lord command, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Okay, here's where the issue comes in. God put man in the garden. He gave him duty, you know, keep the garden. After Adam and Eve says, be fruitful and multiply, God made us to live forever to worship him. He made a perfect man, a perfect woman in his image, put us in the garden, gave us something to do. But he only gave us one command, one command. See, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that tree, because if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And there's something special about that 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 phrase. You shall surely die. I found this out too, and it, it surprised me. But you shall surely die. One command. Don't do this one thing. It's amazing because we know Adam and Eve will do that one thing, and later on, we get in the Book of Exodus and whatever, we get 613 commands, commandments, because we broke one something man does not understand about sin and its repercussions upon our lives. The one command, don't eat, period. Nothing wrong with that. You have everything. Everything in the universe, Adam, is yours. I am yours. I'm here to worship and fellowship with you. Just don't do this one thing. Don't eat of that tree. Because if you do, you will surely die. So we got God's God's command. Now uh, Genesis chapter three. I'll read this verses one through seven. Now, um, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of any tree in the garden?" delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin claws. this is what we're studying today this issue right here we're going we're looking right at this first thing we're looking at is original sin. God commanded Adam not to eat and Adam did. One of the things you note in here, when Eve ate of the fruit, he didn't say anything happened. But when Adam ate of the fruit, then their eyes were opened. Why? Because when we go back to Genesis 2, when you read that, Eve was not even created yet when God told him not to do this, this command was given to man. You're responsible for this. You're responsible to obey me. And I'm sure that responsibility extended to him, teaching Eve that, and the generations that would come after them had they not sinned. This is your responsibility. But Adam and Eve, did eat God did not want us to know good. He, did not, he wanted us to know good because that's all we knew. But he didn't want us to know evil. He didn't want us to partake of it. But when they do eat, the eyes are open. And something happens. They realize that they're naked. And we, you know, I always used to wonder why they were already naked in the garden. Why did they realize that they were naked when they were already naked? And so one of my pastor friends, he believes that the reason why is because everything that that everything when God made everything, his glory shined through everything in his creation. And when they looked at one another, they saw the glory of God in one another. They saw no wrong in one another. So when they ate that glory departed, God, there was no longer. They no longer were able to see through that with with perfect eyes, one another as God saw them. That's why they knew that they were naked. They wasn't the fact that they were naked. They just realized something. Something's left. Something happened here. Something's happened and they knew it. And they knew that they were in trouble. The first thing that they do is hide, try to try to dress that sin up. Find let's find some fig leaves. And by the way, those fig leaves and those those greeting cards they want these little bitty fig leaves like that. So they have fig leaves in Israel that are huge. They got some some fig trees have big huge fig leaves. So basically, they're trying to cover up the sin. Trying to do. Fix what God is, fix what God has, fix what, has, uh, fix what they had, the, the, the mistake that they had made, the sin that they had committed. Which is really the first, our first step into religion, being religious. That's all religion is, is trying to fix what God had already given us. Man, do you realize since since God default the their fall in the garden, man has been trying to recreate that? The problem is we're trying to recreate, recreate that without God. That's what he meant when he say, uh, Satan said, you shall become as God, knowing good and evil. See, God determined the right and wrong of things. Satan, and Luc- when he was Lucifer in heaven, he wanted that. I want to be able to be God. I want to be determined what is good and evil for myself apart from him. And he's telling Adam <clears throat> and Eve, you can do the same thing. You can become your own God. There's only one God and there can only be one God. And so we look in our world today. That's what we're doing right now. We're trying to fix what God has, what God gave us in the garden. We clothe ourselves. We try, you look at movie stars or rich people, whatever we try to put on the fancies of, I mean, you don't even have to be rich. We try to put the best clothes on. We try to look our best. We try to put lights in our cities, bring, you know, it's like we're trying to, Make them look beautiful. We are we're constantly we're trying to make peace on the earth, which we already have. We want to we want everyone to be fed. We want everything to go go smoothly. We want to eliminate war. We want to do all these things. We are trying to fix what God gave us freely in the garden. We're trying to fix it, but we're trying to do it apart from Him. And that's what sin is in us, really trying to live our lives apart from the God who created us. We have not been created that way and we'll never be able to accomplish this. I said this to a friend of mine one time and he says, then why should we try to do anything? I said, well, God told us that God didn't say that we can have moments of peace and moment of, you know, momentary peace and, And can't live in the earth in some some way or fashion. But mankind will never be able to bring this earth back to the condition it was in the Garden of Eden. One reason God had to kick them out of it. I don't want you in there. We'll never be able to do that. But we still, you know, man tries and strives and do all this kind of thing. We can have a relative peace this way. But it is not the peace that God has given us, and eventually, what the Word of God says in, in the last days, things will get worse and worse, and we're living in all that, and we're seeing things get worse and worse, and we think this is really bad. But when you really study history, like when we get into this depravity thing, you find out that man has been doing this stuff forever. Our heart is bent on rebelling against God, so he got. He, he was created, he was commanded, and he disobeyed, and then he committed the sin. Adam commits the first sin, the first human sin against God. It's not the first sin. It's the first human sin against God. Lucifer created the first sin, remember, in uh, in heaven, his pride, his five, five, I was I, cumulating that to say, I will be like the most high. I will take his throne. I will be like him. That was the first sin. But the first sin among humans was when Adam disobeyed God and plunged his world into into darkness. A matter of fact, it affected everything. All of creation. Throughout history, mankind realizes that something is wrong with ourselves, and in in this world that we exist in, we, you you know, when when catastrophes happen or some bad, you know, some bad, uh, you know, like say like a mass shooting or some 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 uh, over the over the uh, that snow weekend uh, there was a father. His, uh, I think she was five or six year old little girl, beautiful. When you look at them, the picture they just, just handsome together. He, she looks like a mini version of him, Mm -hmm. only pretty because she's a girl. But beautiful. When you see this picture, you could tell that he loved her. But they found them in the snow. They had frozen to death, a little, a few feet from their car. I don't know how that ended up happening, but they found this. Found, and some people look at that and say, why? Something's wrong. Why would this happen? Why should this happen? And we blame God for the suffering and the pains and the aches and everything in the world. We blame everyone but ourselves. This verse, these verses, what we're looking at here is is, concerns the doctrine of original sin. Here's what I learned. I thought the doctrine of original sin was When Adam sinned, that is not what the doctrine of original sin is. It is not the first sin of Adam and Eve. That's not what it is. Um, Dr. R.C. Sproul said this. He said, virtually every church historically that has a creed or a confession has agreed that something very seriously has happened to the human race as a result of the first sin. Our nature as human beings since the fall has been influenced by the power of evil. That first sin resulted in the, re- the original sin. You get that? That first sin resulted in the original sin. <clears throat> The the doctrine of original sin does not uh, mean the first sin. It refers to the first sin of Adam and Eve for their disobedience to God in the Garden of Eden. It is the effect that that first sin had upon mankind. It happened here at this moment. When we talk about the first, the, 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 the original sin, we're not talking about his, his actual sin, but the effects that that sin had on mankind at that point in time. And it started a snowball effect that's come all the way down through the ages, even to today, and will continue until God comes and recreates everything and, and, and um, makes it perfect, perfect. It defines the consequences to the human race because of our sin. Adam bought sin upon God's created order and we're in a mess. Romans 5 chapter 12 says, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because, because all sinned. That'd be a great verse to say That's what that's what the doctrine of original sin is. That sin came in the world through one man, and death through sin, and that death has spread. And it doesn't come through the woman; it comes through the seed of the man. David said, "Behold, I was uh, behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin that my mother conceived me." He's not saying that he was that that to uh, to be born is sinful. But what he's saying is, when I was born, I had sin within me. The sinful, fallen nature of Adam is generational, passed by the father to every child conceived and birthed from their mothers. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. That is very important. If you do something wrong, you're not perfect and good and right, and then you do something wrong and then say, oh, I've become a sinner. No, you're going to do it whether you like it or not. It is in your nature now to do it. It is in all of our natures to do it. Those of you that have had little children, (laughs) I remember... Some of my kids, they would be sitting, especially when they are just walking, starting to walk and everything, and you you always kind of say, no, 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 no. I watch them at times, and I say, no. You know, they're reaching for something, and they'll look at you and still do this. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they're daring you. It's like they can't help it. I mean, little children are so... The the honesty of what they are, they don't know how to control all this. Unfortunately, we grow up to become adults and we like to hide and mask our sin and put it away and do this and try to present ourselves as something that we're not. Little children, they just show it. Take them to the nursery, some kid in there beating some other kid in the head, (laughs) smacking them with a toy. They don't care. When they want something, they scream for it. They ask, they, they go for it. They don't know how to control that yet, their actions yet. And what you're seeing is us. As God sees us, we're constantly doing the same thing toward him. We can't help it. We can't help it. We're in trouble. We have something wrong with us. We talk about original sin, you know, the word original has the word origin in it. We're, we're basically speaking of the first of something, the root cause. What is the what is the original, what is sin's root cause? That we failed in Adam or Adam failed for us because all of us particularly were in Adam. And every seed that he he gave birth to after that and the seed after them and the seed after them and the seed all the way up to us. We're sinners. You know, we always talk about the races of men. Kind of throwing this in here. There really are no races of men. There's only one race, and it's the human race. We're all connected. And so, I've done this 23andMe thing. It's amazing because it takes me it it takes me all the way back. They can trace me all the way back into Africa to somewhere on the on the. uh, The east coast of Africa, somewhere in there, and it talks about two tribes, a man and a woman came together there. And when they they ended up there, ended up on the West Coast, on the Ivory Coast, and we ended up here, and I'm here. From way back then. By the way, I also found out I'm related to a pharaoh. <laughs> whole thing. And I thought it was a special thing, and then I found out that a lot of there's a lot of guys related to this pharaoh they, in 23ME. You find out that some guy got made it on the news saying, Oh, I look like him and didn't there's a lot of people because this uh it was was it Ramsay the uh, Third, that Pharaoh Ramsey the Third He had a lot of wives. <laughs> <laughs> he spread his seed everywhere. They said in in Historically, that when they do the DNA and everything, you know whose DNA they find in more people than any other historical figure? Genghis Khan. Yep. <laughs> that guy was <laughs> he was proliferating everywhere. <laughs> you know. So we're all connected. And it's amazing when you look at all that stuff, you see that, you know, I got Indian in me and I got uh, uh, uh Caucasian in me, European, you know, you got all this stuff in you, and we think that we're pure there's very Few people that are pure in their own, uh, from their own country, especially in America. And we're all connected and we all go all the way back to this man and woman in the Garden of Eden. And that connection has created sin in us. Sin. What is it? Some, uh, some, uh, someone look at John 3, chapter 4. I'm me, John chapter 1, John chapter 3, verse 4. Someone else look at uh james 210 uh let's see romans 3 23. Let's see where I'm going. someone got james 4 seventeen let's see if there's another one daniel 910 everyone should be able to get one and someone's First, what's that? Oh, whatever. Isaiah, I thought it was first Samuel. Isaiah fifty nine two. There is no first. Oh, there is no first Samuel. First, second Samuel. Isaiah fifty nine verse two. Sin, what is? There's a lot of definitions of sin when you go through the Word of God, and we just we just gonna hit these really quick and look at these. First uh, John chapter three verse four. Someone read that. We get that Everyone one first. who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Right. Sin is, uh, that law means to transgress. It is a transgression. <clears throat> we transgress God's law. Yea, uh, Romans 5.14 says, Yea, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them whose who sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one who was to come. is it a transgression? It's to step over something, to do something that you're not supposed to do. Uh, James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. It means, yes, it is to break the law. And you get that in James? If you break one point, you're guilty of all of it. You've people say, well, I don't do this. I don't do that. I, I, keep, I keep the Ten Commandments. You know, I may do this one thing. It doesn't matter if you do one thing. It's all connected. Just like we're all connected to Adam generation. <laughs> sin is connected the same way. You commit one sin. That, it's amazing that one bite into a, that fruit created the mess that we are in, that we live in daily it is was that a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump? The word of God says, He's talking about yeast. You put a little yeast in, in, in that dough and it creates more and more and more of it. That's what sin is. This is why we can't, we should not tolerate it in our society. This is why we can't, should not dabble in it because it t- was that, that saying sin takes us far further than we want to go. You step a little bit in. And it snatches you. It's like stepping in a current of water and then it sweeps you away. You are just caught up in it and you're just trying to save yourself. And it just carries you wherever it wants to go. And that's what sin is doing. That one bite. I mean, it's immediately after that one bite. I mean, Adam and Eve has a child, two children, and one kills the other one. I mean, like that. Hey, let's get rid of all the guns. Let's make the world perfect. Let's not hurt and hurt one another. There was only four people on the whole earth. There was food everywhere. They had access to everything. And yet one still kills another one. That sin nature is strong. Where was that? Uh, let's see. To break the laws. Romans 3, 23. Do so not have that one? For all its sin and falling short of the glory of God. <laughs> right. Come short. It is to miss the mark. You got people that, you know, they look. I, I always hear, every time someone mentions Mother Teresa, it's like she's like way up here. She's a sinner. Look what she's sacrificing, what she gave up. and da-da-da-da-da. You delve into her life, you find that she did a lot of bad things. As well as good things, what we call good things. They released these tapes about Martin Luther King. We got him way up here, and we find out whoa, this guy was womanizing, the things he did, and the cheating, and the thing, the way he treated women it was really bad and gross. Gandhi, the same thing. You looking, got sleeping with you little girls. You know, we 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 exalt people and exalt ourselves and put us on this. We are sinners. One preacher said, and I agree with this, he said, if you really knew me, you would not like me. Because I know some of the thoughts that go through my head and through my mind. And it goes through yours and we fight and we deal with that. But. In our hearts, we are in rebellion against God. We want to sin. We can't help it. It just pulls us toward it. It's to fall short. So no matter how much you try to do righteously, you're going to always fall short of God's standards. The 613 commandments and you keep 612, you still fell short. Because no one in this room and probably no one on this earth knows by heart what all 613 commandments are. So we're always constantly committing it anyway. I had this guy you know, when I was in the military. <laughs> I was witness to him and I was talking about that every person that sinned. And he says, I know someone hadn't sinned. And I said, who's that? He said, my grandmother. He said, my grandmother was sweet. She'd never sinned. She was, you know, <laughs> said, no, your, your sweet little grandmama is a sinner. Or was, I think she had passed away by that. But she was a sinner, just like all of us. We're sinners. Uh, let's see. James four seventeen. 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It is the failure to do the right thing. To omit, to not, it's sins of omission. Failure to do the right thing. And we do that uh Let's see. Daniel nine ten. Let's on here quick. <clears> Those <throat> against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophets. It's a failure to walk according to God's laws to walk in his laws. We fail to do that. Jesus did it. All of this—that's that's that's, that's the amazing thing about Him. Isaiah fifty nine two states that, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear. It is to be. It is iniquity. It is iniquity. The doctrine of original sin is the origin of man's sinful nature and defines the consequences or repercussions to the human race because of the first sin. What are some of those repercussions? There's a judicial repercussion, the the sentence of death. We're condemned to death by God according to his word. Psalm 7-1 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation Every day. That indignation is toward our sins. We are his enemy. God is a loving God. God feels indignation towards sin every day. He does not fellowship with it, He's holy, pure, undefiled, unlike us. before the Lord Psalms 98 98 verse 9 says before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity we will will get what we rightfully deserve when God comes And I find it amazing how we like to accuse God of um, not being fair. and By the way, there's no such thing as fairness. In the Bible, the word fair just means every time you see that word fair, at least in the King James, it refers to beauty because there's no such thing as fairness. God doesn't do fairness. No one does fairness. Is it fair that I was born in America and some other people were born probably somewhere in the middle of Africa, somewhere where a lot of tribal disease and death and all that stuff's taking place. Is it fair that some are born, born to rich families and some are not born to rich families? Is it fair that some, some of the angels, Lucifer was the king of the angels, but basically versus the other one, is it fair? Those are not fair things. God doesn't do fair. He does what's right. That is the key, is to do righteousness, to do righteously. And when we sin, means what we do not do the right thing. Thing. We continually do the wrong thing against God. As soon as Adam disobeyed, he would die. He would die spiritually at that moment. And he would be sentenced to an eternal death at that moment. And he would begin to decay toward death physically at that moment. So there's a we had a judicial repercussion. There's a spiritual repercussion. Uh, some of those uh, that we look at here is that there's a lost desire for God. Romans, let's uh, get Romans chapter one, verse sixteen. I'm not going to read all of that, cause uh, but look at some of these in Romans chapter one. It's, uh, it says, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes." To the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has showed it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that we they are not without excuse that's all of us for when they although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to him, but became fruitile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal man and birds and animals. And creeping things. The spiritual repercussion of that. Of, of That sin Adam brought into the world is. We have lost our desire for God. Adam ran after he said. God had to go looking for him. But we lose this desire. We don't lose our desire for religion. But we do lose our desire for. God as He is. You ever heard people? I had a friend of mine. She said, "I was searching for God." Well, Only people say there are people that say I, they go on this spiritual search somewhere in their life to see if God exists and whatever. You know when people are saying that they're they're seeking for God and doing that, what they're really saying is they're seeking for God, a God in religion. That will suit them and fit them according to their standard of what God should be like. Now, it may be a strict God. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna follow the Muslim faith. I'm gonna follow Allah and go by all those strict rules. It may be some kind of religion where the rules are very loose and fluid, and you can do whatever you want to do. But we all seek a God that fits our own personality, our own, what we perceive God should be for us. That's what we seek. But we don't seek God as he presents himself in the word of God. One reason this book is true, because no man would have written about God like this. When you look at All the gods men have created. All of them have some kind of flaw. Man can go and argue with that God or defeat that God or talk him out of things. No one's controlling this God in the word of God. Who are we to tell him what to do? Who are we to control him? And We do not want him. When we see that God and we resent that God to the world, we rebel against it. How many of you before God opened your opened your heart and the Spirit drew you to Christ? How many of you rebelled against God when a Christian came and read scripture to you? And you I don't like that. I don't want that. Da, da. The fool is said in his heart, No God for me. In Psalms, we hear that verse, a fool is said in his heart, There is no God. It means the fool said, No God for me. Not that God. That's what Lucifer did. I don't want that God. I want to be God. I don't want that God. And we don't want that God apart from God regenerating us and giving us that desire for him. And as Christians, one of the marks of a Christian is the desire for the God as he presents himself in the word of God. We want him. We love him. We seek him. There's a loss. We're, we're lost. We lose our holiness. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, we're dead in trespasses and sin. Dead men. Tell more tells. Dead men can't do anything. We're, you're, we're dead in trespasses and sin. It's like you take a dead body and you pump... <coughs> ink all through, throughout the whole body. And you take that body and you throw it in some tar pit and drop it down there. That's our trespasses. We're dead in and out of our, we're dead in it. What can a dead man do? This is one thing that helped me come to understand the doctrines of grace because a dead man can't do anything. What can a dead man do? He can do nothing. It can be, a dead man can be acted upon, but a dead man can't do anything of, in and of itself. And we're walking dead men full of iniquity and full of sin apart from God. We lose, we've lost that holiness. That holiness enabled Adam to fellowship with God, but once he sinned, it was gone. And that's what they knew they were naked. Where's the holiness of God? Where? They knew something was wrong. The fellowship was broken. We lose our sonship. In John eight forty four, Jesus said, "You are you are of your father the devil, and his lust ye will do." You get that? We're all God's children. No, you're not. No, <laughs> where God said, "You are of your father the devil, and his lust ye will do." We run to the we 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 run into sin. We do the things he wants us to do. He tempts us, and we just flow with it. We may resist some things, but we go toward other things. I mean, if perfect Adam sinned against God, was tempted by Satan, and fell. What chance do we have? He came into the world perfect. We came into the world sinners, and he just waters that seed every day. And we go we go about it. And by the way, when we say uh, there was a, a comedian that just to on TV called Flip Wilson when I grew up. And he used to say, the devil made me do it. Every time someone, the devil doesn't make you do anything. He tempts you to do the thing. We can be tempted, but t- temptation is not wrong. It is yielding to the temptation that's wrong. That's the choice we make. And because of sinners, we yield toward. To, to it all the time. He only tempts. Satan doesn't make you do these things. You do. We, we're in this society. They we blame everything for it. all our problems. Everything that goes on. I'm poor because of this. this I'm, I don't have all the money I have because of my boss. Don't pay me enough. I don't. You name it. We're constantly blaming and blaming Adam. Did, Eve. <laughs> it was Eve. Eve is a serpent. We're constantly but And basically what they were doing, saying, God, Adam said, you gave me this woman, so it was your fault. Isn't that what atheists do today? I don't believe in God because if God is loving, God will not allow sin and suffering and pain to be in the world. He will not allow good things to happen or bad things to happen to good people. Who are you to tell God how he is to conduct his business? Have you ever created a human being? Do you, know, do you know how the world and the universe is supposed to function? God, God knows these things. I don't, I don't understand everything about sin being in the world while God allows it to remain in the world. But I do know he's just and right and holy and He's do, he will always do the right thing. And that's what I yield toward it. Toward. I may not not understand why that man, his little girl, froze to death out there. And God didn't send someone over to to rescue them before they froze. I don't understand that. But God is in control, sovereignly in control at all times. And He has a plan. And whether we understand it or not, He makes the rules. That's the problem we have when we, we, in the beginning, God, we got to get that straight. He makes the rules. He knows how to make a human being. He knows how human beings are supposed to conduct themselves. He knows how to redeem sinful man, why he should leave sinful man on this earth. He knows what he's doing. But we don't always understand, and we can't. But we can't be accusing God because we don't understand. It's what we do all the time. Some others uh, we, we lost fellowship. We lost our home. They were kicked out of the garden, garden. We don't get heaven. Remain a sinner, unredeemed. Mankind, the Bible says God created uh, hell for the devil and his angels. That's our, that's our new home. That's where we're heading toward. Hell and the lake of fire. We lose that home in heaven. But when God regenerates and saves us, he restores that home. We have a place that we're going to that God wants us to have in the first place. There's uh, physical rep- repercussions. I must move along here. Uh, there's death through the body. We have toil and labor in John in Genesis 3. If you read the rest of Genesis 3, God said, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. your brow. Told the woman, you're going to have pain in childbirth. The ground will not yield itself to you. There's toil. There's labor. There's pain. There's suffering. There's corrupted desires and affections for things that we are not, we shouldn't have. And then there's the physical death. And physical death is the first. Because you know, he said, if you eat thereof, you shall surely die. He didn't, he didn't die. He said, we don't think he did. When we look at that, why didn't he die? Because we're thinking from, of the physical. He did begin to physically die. But there was a spiritual death that happened. That happened quickly. Jesus says, don't fear him. He tells us to fear him who has power to cast both body and soul into hell. That's our, that's an eternal repercussion. Death of the soul. It is the second death and it is separation. We spend a lot of time taking care of this physical body and trying to take care of our life in this world. Most people ignore their soul. The most important thing about you isn't your physical body. It is your soul. It's the real you. What's going to happen when you die? And you face the judgment. We've lost our sense of God. There are re- emotional re- repercussions. We fear. We have the fear of death upon us. Those who are Christ who do not fear uh, uh, who do not fear death are foolish, and those who do are terrified. I got a book called um, "Last Words of Saints and Sinners," is a, a thing, but and it goes through there and have all these historical figures and things that have been recorded on their deathbed. Voltaire and so on. Voltaire was screaming; he was afraid when he died. Everyone don't go out like you see in the movies and everything. Oh, I lived a good life and everything has been perfect and everything. I gave my life for my country, and you know, I go to another world. I go, you know. Many people without Christ, you hear hear all the time, saints when they die, that there's this peace. There's this, they they go out in a different way than lost people do. Because mankind, deep down inside, we know there's a God. Because God has created us to know Him, (coughs) as Romans chapter one said. That which may be known of God is manifested in them and also in all his creation. It's manifested in us. We reject it. We reject it. We reject God. It's not that we don't know God. We know God and we push him away. and We go our own way. Now, uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff, but I want to hit this right quick. Back in Genesis chapter 2, when he says, you shall surely die. I, this, this caught me off guard last night. I was looking at this or day for yesterday, you said, surely die. And I was, you know, I was just going through the Greek and looking at the Greek words and all that. And I was looking at, by the way, death. When we look at, talk about death, it does not mean annihilation. That's the way we, most of us perceive it. And that's what people that don't believe in God perceives it. When we die, we just go to nothingness and now we're annihilated. No, that's not what death means. Death means separation. It is a separation. The physical death is a separation from the things in this world to the things in the spiritual world. The spiritual death or the second death is separation from God in hell and in the lake of fire. It is a separation. Do you realize that there was a time you never existed, but now that you exist, you will always exist. And when you die, you will still exist either in heaven with God or in the lake of fire without God. That's a scary thought. It's a good thought if you're saved. It's a scary thought if you're not saved. And here's what I learned, that surely die. I was looking at the word death because I was just trying to understand it in the Greek. And I can't, it was, I can't remember what the, the Hebrew word, not Greek, the Hebrew word was for it. But the word surely, In front of it, it's the same word. What God told Adam is, in the day that you eat thereof, you will die, die. Two deaths, which the scripture speaks of. You have the first death, this physical death. The second death and Revelation speaks of us. Experiencing the second death, and that is a separation from God into the lake of fire. That is the death you don't want. That is the death I don't want my family to want to experience, but they will experience that without Christ. But the word of God says, but for the uh, Revelation 21, 8, but for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in a lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There is a second death to come. Anyway, I didn't have time to hit some of this other stuff, but very quickly, to go into, when we leave that, how bad is man? Is there some spark of life in us that God has left in us that we can return to him. And throughout history, people have thought that. Man, is not as bad as he could be, but yet we are. We're worse than that. The Bible says we're simply depraved. We're depraved creatures. When you look at the what they call the, uh, the doctrines of grace, the tulip, the first one is total depravity. I think it was Spurgeon, someone said, if you understand, if you get that one, all the rest of them fall into place. If you get that one, and that's what happened. I remember studying this, trying to understand this. Ramona's pastor, first first one, really introduced me to uh, the doctrines of grace, and he just he just said, here, read this, and here, read that, and I'm reading books and all that. And I remember I was kept looking at how sinful, we're totally depraved, and I could get that. We're tot- if we're totally depraved, if we're totally in the sin, if everything about us is sinful, then what can I do to be saved? Can I bring God my gifts and my, my righteousness? The Bible says all our righteousness are, are as filthy rags before Him. He's talking about that. He's likening it to the, the uh, leprosy with the pus filled rags of a leper. Shall an unclean thing bring a clean thing to God? I mean, we touch whatever. We do it. We, I, I, we can't give. We can't give God money to get to heaven. We can't get baptized to get to heaven. We can't come to church to get to heaven. We can't pray and do all We can't do any of this stuff. That is not what God wants us to do. That doesn't take us to hell. Works of righteousness. Oh, I give. I help these people. I do these right things. And you see mankind. It's like built in us. we try to do these things. It's like, uh I'm going to follow God a little bit. you got people in church. They come to church. They say they're Christian. They say they believe in God, but they're just really saying, just in case. When I die, I can always default back this and say, God, look, you know, I was in church. You know, I did acknowledge you. I, I didn't receive you like you wanted me to receive, but I did acknowledge you. No. Salvation is a divine work of God upon our hearts, upon us. He looks to a dead person and says, live. And draws you to him, draws you to himself. I wanted to get into things about uh, Pelagianism, Arminianism, all these kind of things. Uh, Pelagianism basically was that uh, people people do not sin because they're sinners but that they, but that they learn sin and transgression according to their own self determination. That we basically come to the world as a clean, clean slate, and as we sin, that's when we compound sin upon us, upon ourselves. It basically, it teaches that man is born without sin, and he begins to sin as he just lives his life. Then you had Amenia, Jacob Aminius. Uh, Aminianism. Uh, it was a rejection of predestination and affirm human free will. Man's will, man wills himself to God. He can willingly go to God and convince God to save him by obeying. I say this prayer, I do this thing. God will save me. I have the power to influence God to save me. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of, uh, when I was first saved, I thought I did it. Uh, not in that sense. I believe God did it, but I believe God did it through me by telling me to pray and trust Him, and God uses that. But you know, I since learned. You know why I prayed and said God come into my heart and save me and doing all that because God had already regenerated me. When a regenerate person will show that regeneration through their life, through their works. Show me a Christian, a person that says they're a Christian and they're constantly living in sin and don't. Without repercussion, and I'll show you the saved unsaved person. Because that person's not saved. When God saves a person, something springs forth out of us. We desire our desires change for the church, for the word of God, for prayer. Is it perfect? No, is it but it's there? We can't live without we desire it. We desire the things of God. But total depravity, we're totally totally depraved and we cannot bring anything to God to merit and earn his favor why because of that original sin we're born sinners was that, was that, was that movie that came out Was it the natural born killers or something like that we're naturally born sinners <laughs> apple trees produce apples Orange trees produce orange. Sin, orange sin trees produce sin. We are sinful tree, and the only thing we produce is sin. And even when we do the right thing, we bring it with tainted uh, motivations, tainted desires. We always have an ulterior mode of stuck back there. That's why we need grace, and that's why it's called grace. And Paul says, if it's of work, it is no more of grace. If it's of works, it is no more of grace. Or if it's all of grace, then it's not of works. And if it's all of grace, we have to bow down and say, God, thank you. It is a, Spurgeon called it the humbling doctrine to understand your position in God, in Christ, that God has done the work of saving you and you had nothing to do with it. That's humbling. You had nothing to do. God did it. Why do we pray? Why do we witness? Because those are the means that God sends us. God has chosen the gospel. How should I hear without a preacher? God has chosen the foolish things in the world to confound the world. God has chosen these means he tells us to pray. He tells us to preach and teach and witness. And we do those things, but it is God's word going out, accomplishing what he pleases, working upon the hearts of men. And that should encourage us to witness because God is we witness to the whole and God draws out the ones he wants. You cast the seed out there. Every seed doesn't grow from the soil. Some die, but some sprout. And those are the ones that God waters through with his Holy Spirit, draws you to Christ and saves you. And so we ought to be humbled by that and thankful to God about that, that he's taken us depraved, sinful creatures that had fallen in Adam, placed us in Christ, and set us on a new road, and set us back within his family, restored the fellowship that Adam broke in the Garden of Eden. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace. And we use that word, we say that word, grace, grace, grace. It is a very, very beautiful and powerful word. It is all of grace. We hear before your word because of your grace. Our destination is heaven in your presence because of grace. We'll avoid the lake of fire because of grace when we sin and we're able to confess our sins, you forgive our sins. It's all of grace. The things you've given us, it's all of grace. The things you allow us, help us to suffer through, it's all of grace. It's all about you. We have been created for your glory. We have been regenerated and brought back to you for your glory. Help us to live up to that through the power of your Holy Spirit.